Howdy y'all and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Treehouse Anime Club. My name is Dave and this is my podcast where I talk about anime production and the fine folks who make it all possible. This episode, however, is my, essentially it's my 2024 winter season watch list, as well as my fall 2023 wrap-up of sorts. Uh, obviously, it's a more casual affair than my main topics, where I talk about the production of anime series and the people who work in the industry. And so, that being said, we are on the air, courtesy of Spotify for Podcasters. You can also find us on most major providers or copy the RSS link into your platform of choice if you can't find it on our homepage. We post new episodes twice a month. Our main topics are usually twice a month, usually on the first and third Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central. So the bonus episodes typically come out basically when the mood hits me. For stuff like this, for the for the seasonal stuff, I try to be within the first week or so of the premiere of each season to where when I talk about a show, you can know that I at least watched the first episode. You can also follow along with the show on Instagram and threads at the Treehouse Anime Pod. That's all one word. You can stay up to date with the show, plus a couple extra goodies. And we have a free Discord. You can follow the link in the Treehouse Anime Club Instagram, and it will also be a link in there, an invite code in our show notes. I would also appreciate it if you left a review from whatever platform you're listening from that supports reviews. You can also leave comments under each Spotify episode in the comment section there. Tell me what you're excited for on the winter 2024 season and or, you know, what you enjoyed from last season in the fall or even just 2023 in general. I love reading your comments. You know, any and all engagement also just really helps the show. But most importantly, I'm glad you decided to make my little show about Japanese cartoons part of your day. Uh, Let me get into my actual thoughts on the 2023 season for the fall. And I'm going to start this off with a brief ode to the fallen but not forgotten shows that I am currently uh, returning to, catching up on, or I plan to return to. So I will mention, first off, there was Overtake, the racing series. Uh, This was the first one to go, as I wasn't terribly invested in this uh, indie F4 series racing story. I made it through the first three episodes. I really liked where the underdog racing story was headed, but as the weeks went on, I just found myself hovering on this show before moving on to something else. But I have heard good things about the ending, so I am going to find a free afternoon sometime and just rewatch the series as of this point. Also, a second show that I dropped fairly quickly was Ron Kamanohashi's Forbidden Deductions. This is a quirky little detective series with a slight supernatural spin. It was also adapting the manga by Akira Amano, who was the original character artist for Psychopaths. And so these character models are very much on point for that. And honestly, the previews for Ron Kamanohashi, like this show just didn't look like it was going to be anything. But the first episode was just, I thought I was sold. And there, was, wasn't really, there wasn't really uh, much of a reason for me dropping this one. I just left it behind purely because of everything else that had happened. I basically dropped it for time, but I am definitely picking back it back up for a rainy day. And now going forward, I'm going to start kicking on some music because I did watch a fair amount of episodes of these shows before dropping them or coming back and finishing them. so fun. Uh, This was Bullbuster, so obviously that intro is a bop. And also, because out of the shows that I mentioned between Overtake and Ron Kamanohashi and now Bullbuster, 
I actually regret letting Bullbuster fall by the ra- by the wayside. Uh, we, 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 oh, that's all, folks. We have uh, pet labor-ish uh, robots, basically. It's robots versus kaiju, but it's a small business workplace sitcom thrown into the mix. So these people who are in the robots are operating under really, really tight budget constraints. And so I had a lot of fun with the three episodes that I watched the... What is it? The yeah, the accountant with the comb over is just immaculate. He is the best character of those shows. But I initially decided to wait and let all the episodes come out. And I've started over from the beginning. And I've pretty much almost finished Bullbuster by this recording. So I should have it done by the time this episode drops. And so the next part, I have a few things that were multi-core series, or at least this first one had some production issues. But they started in a different season, but they concluded in the fall. Here's your music for those of you who might know what this show is. Okay, so I'm kind of lying. This is a half entry of sorts. And obviously this is ZOM 100 Bucket List of the Dead, which actually debuted in the summer, I believe. Yeah, it, it debuted in the summer, and it was going to be a 12-episode series purely in the summer. However, there were a lot of production series issues with it, and so the series ended up dragging out through the summer, dropped a couple of episodes in the fall, and then it dropped its last three episodes, I believe, on December 25th. And so I've always said that this series is excellent, and this was also on just outside of my top 10 for the year. And so, yeah, the finale was no exception. I really liked the beginning of the show, and I liked the other episodes. The production issues caused me to kind of fall off the wagon on this series, but I have finished it. I do think the show was very good. I really want to see more. And if you fell off the wagon like me due to all the episode delays over the year, I think Bucket List of the Dead is more than deserving of a rewatch now that all these episodes are available. So we nearly had something like a Uncle from the Netherworld situation, but fortunately the delays weren't quite that long. So this show is Dark Gathering, and for similar reasons to Bullbuster, I decided to drop Gathering for to drop Dark Gathering uh, initially for time, and then my plan was to come back once the series concluded. I did keep up with this show all during the summer, and I just happened to fall off during the fall. It was fall off during the fall. Come on, Dave. Um, it was more of a thing like we had this major arc conclude shortly after the fall season began. And so my idea was, let's just let the show finish and then I'll come back to it. But the fall season has come and gone and I haven't quite picked up Dark Gathering yet, but I did just finish the next series I want to talk about. And both of these are on high dive. So I kind of prioritize this next show over Dark Gathering. But between this, Dark Gathering and Bullbuster are the ones that I'm going to work on immediately next. So let me talk about the show that I did finish.
Okay, so I talked about this show in my summer preview back in June, July or so, whenever that episode was. And I think I also said it in the fall preview episode, so this could be my third time saying it. But uh, this show is Helk. And I really do believe that Helk was a sleeper hit this year. It really felt like a throwback to the early 2000s anime that I was uh, that was around when I became a fan uh, with its story premise. But it also played on a lot of expectations and tropes in a really clever way. And I also really enjoy just how subversive the comedy was. You know, a lot of the one of my some of my favorite gags were they would set up this monster or like some major issue and they would sometimes build it up for minutes at a time. And then just Helk throws a punch or something happens and this the, the problem gets resolved in seconds. And just to watch the characters' faces go, what? That was supposed to be the biggest, baddest monster ever. It was consistently funny. But at the same time, there were some serious story beats happening with serious consequences. And I find that narratively, the show was a nice balance of the two. It was just, to me, it was just a shame that Hulk's animation quality was not quite up to par with its level of storytelling. In fact, it's the biggest issue I heard through the year being lobbed at Hulk time and again, which is fair. When you have a series like this that is competing against shows like Jujutsu Kaisen and even Zom 100, which like boasted some of the best choreography and just animation work this year, Hulk was one of those that there were a ton, a just absolute ton of shortcuts being taken. The second part, uh, the, the, the part being animated in the fall season was better, but it was still very limited at times. And so if you are interested in Hulk or maybe dropped it because of the animation, I don't think it'll convince you to go back. But I really do want to say that Hulk is genuinely one of the sleeper hits of 2023. And I really enjoyed it. So this is The Ancient Magus Bride, Season 2, Part 2. And this is one of my top 10 anime of the year, like the whole Season 2 uh, as a whole. This adapted the Magic College arc of the original material, which introduced a ton of new characters who I pretty much all enjoyed, and a few who I enjoyed watching get thrashed, or like a few people that I want to see get thrashed. Um, our main character, Chisei, is frankly dealing a lot from Season 1, and we got a few glimpses this season into what some of those effects might be, but it was also in a way that was very organically woven into the plot of this arc. And I also appreciated that Chisei and Elias, Elias also had a lot of individual agency in this season. They were basically joined at the hip in the arcs leading up to this one by, by comparison. And frankly, the college arc is the exact shakeup I think the formula needed. And it allowed each character the time to grow and have new experiences with new people, which in turn helped deepen their bond between uh, each other. So it's not so much the absence making the heart grow fonder or anything. Like, they were still in the same building. But it was more like Chisei and Elias discovered more new things about themselves and each other due to the influences and insights of other people. And now I potentially have to wait a long time again, because with the conclusion of the college arc... The anime has officially caught up with the manga, which was on effective hiatus during most of 2023, following some publisher issues. 
but maybe we'll get some more side stories animated or, you know, it's now is a good time as any for me to just rewatch the entire season. So moving on, I'm going to start with some of the single entries to the fall season, like the single core uh, series. So we'll just chugging right along with our next show. One observation I want to make about 2023 and particularly in the fall is Netflix entries kind of popped off this year and Scott Pilgrim Takes Off was a big one to drop on me mid-November. I always make time for a science Sodoro production. However, I did say this in my anime of the year episode that this was just outside that list as well. And as much as I enjoyed Scott Pilgrim Takes Off and just the animation style of combining the visuals of the game and then you had sort of a reunion of the actors from the original movie and just everything that was there. I kind of missed out on the original hype for that video game and the movie. So this show was for me more in the territory of, yeah, this is really clever than, you know, something that I thought was like the greatest of the year. But man, this was a fun show. It was very cute. They really, I really think that they did everything uh, about the video game, the movie, and then just some of this original adaptation. I think they did it some justice. But yeah, this was a really close for one of my anime of the year, but it just barely got beaten out by other series just because I attached more to those other series. But yeah, Scott Pilgrim takes off. If you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. It's one of the more unique looking shows of this season. Okay, so yeah, this is Goblin Slayer Season 2. This show is always my guilty pleasure of any season that it's a part of. I enjoy dark fantasy stories if it's done well. And even then, if you don't like it, think of it this way. Like some days I just want to eat junk food to feel something different, you know? But I I have stuck with Goblin Slayer because despite that opening Edgelord Season 1, the opening episodes back in 2018... It's essentially just this dark fantasy set in a Dungeons and Dragons world, and I enjoy watching this team of highly capable adventurers doing the best that they can to keep their little slice of the world safe. And it also helps that this animation quality for season two, it was a new studio, and the animation quality was higher, as well as the storylines being a bit more nuanced in season one. This is more of a thing where we're deeper into the story and the opening gimmick of Goblin Slayer being the guy who kills goblins. It would have long worn out its welcome. It's definitely got more nuance in season one, but it's not like my compliments are going to change anyone's mind on the series. So that's all I have to say about Goblin Slayer. I wonder how many of you know what series this is. Uh, I was interested in this show because it was adapting a manga by the author of 
I Am a Hero, known for its uh, really known for like its off the wall sense of humor and then zany characters facing terribly dire odds in like a zombie survival setting. And that fully applied here as well to this next property, Under Ninja. Uh, you essentially have modern day ninjas equipped with semi futuristic technology, like particularly cloaking technologies off the charts. And both sides are constantly trying to outbluff the other on top of dealing with foreign actors as well. Think of Under Ninja like this uh, spy thriller peppered with just a ton of non-sequitur humor. Like this setup feels straight out of a heist film and we have the scene jumping between multiple days without warning, but then it's one of those, like any heist film, all these separate bits are all set up to the big job and it all eventually fits together like the giant puzzle that it is after a few episodes. Which brings me to my point that this was not a fun show to watch weekly. So I waited for the series to conclude, and then I watched all the episodes uh, one after the other, which really helped the pacing. However, I do think that this, actually I'm positive that Under Ninja was made purely to promote the manga. There is definitely an ending to where they chose to stop animating, but it was also rather abrupt. It certainly worked on me, like I immediately jumped into the manga and read it for a couple more chapters after the ending to this season, but then I decided that I'm okay with not finding out how Under Ninja ends. The The manga after this point was getting rather convoluted, so I think I am fully checked out of the series, but I really enjoyed what I watched. Of course, I'm not going to end my fall wrap-up without talking briefly, very briefly, about Attack on Titan. I have also done an entire episode about my decade-long journey with Attack on Titan, and the conclusion was, actually this year, was the second of the two TV specials. And Attack on Titan overall, the, the conclusion, was my number two pick for the anime of the year. And I've said a lot about the series, which is how I think Attack on Titan is just like peak fiction. I think this conclusion was everything that it needed to be. The ending felt very appropriate for that world. And also ending on a, I guess, as optimistic of a note as you could in Attack on Titan as a series. I, I really just, I, in every way, I think this was just about the perfect conclusion to just one of the best series of fiction I've ever experienced, period. So I don't think you need me to convince you to watch Attack on Titan if you haven't already. If you've been waiting to go through the whole thing all at once, well, there's no better opportunity than now. I promise it is well worth the journey. And the same goes for the last series that I'm going to talk about for the fall 2023 season.
So, of course, this is Pluto, animated by Studio M2, and based off the manga by Naoki Urasawa, who is also basing his manga off of Astro Boy by Osamu Tezuka. This show was everything I love, and just a complete masterpiece through and through. You have futuristic science fiction, a series of murder mysteries from the eyes of the the detective in charge of the case, humans and robots becoming close to indistinguishable. Everything that was interesting and just great about Astro Boy is on full display. And while I'm not very familiar with Astro Boy's specific storylines, I understand how the world works, but I am also very familiar with the works of Naoki Urasawa. He is the master of suspense, and so this was just another masterpiece of the genre that fully drew upon the setting and the rules of Osamu Tezuka's Astro Boy universe to expand on one of the darker storylines, that being Pluto, the strongest robots on Earth. This was my anime of the year, and a true treat. I hope to goodness that we get a home video release in the future, as this was a Netflix premiere and a Netflix quote exclusive if Pluto is only ever exclusive to Netflix streaming and then it disappears, I will be very sad. This deserves to be preserved. And so as I ended the fall season on a high note, let's get into the series that I am watching on the current season, the winter season. I am going to begin with some shows that premiered in the fall, so some multi-core series that are continuing into the winter season, starting with... to repeat a few things that I said in the fall preview episode, but this is Firefighter Daigo, Rescuer in Orange, adapted from a manga by Kuro Tomiyama and Masahito Soda, and animated by Studio Brains Base. And this is basically a grounded fire and rescue series that I'm currently very behind on, but I have been determined to catch up and get current with the new weekly episodes. And so essentially, the show follows three firefighter trainees who have gone undergone these the, this special training to be like part of the special exclusive rescue force and basically just how they're all going to come together and save Japan from a humongous natural disaster. So if you're a fan of Station 19 or 911 this is kind of I wouldn't say it's an anime version of Station 19. It might be more in the vein of 911, but this is essentially the anime slash Tokyo sort of version of that and it's had some very compelling story arcs the character drama is great and again it's such a unique and compelling premise and it goes along at a very steady clip Second season music for this one. 
So I am continuing to watch Free Rand Beyond Journey's End, of course, based on the fantasy adventure, adventure manga by Tsukasa Abe and Kanehito Yamada, animated by Studio Madhouse, which follows the adventures of elf mage Freyren and her courageous fellow adventurers who have defeated the Demon King and brought peace to the land. Now, with the great struggle over, they have all gone their separate ways to live a quiet life. But as an elf, Freyren is, of course, practically immortal and will long outlive the rest of her former party. How will she come to terms with the mortality of her friends? And how can she find fulfillment in her own life? And can she learn to understand what life means to the humans around her? Freyren begins a new journey to find the answer, and has continued the series to find an answer now with a new party. And again, this is Freyren is basically one of the most popular shows currently airing. Every aspect of this show, from the story, characters, animation, music, world design, 10 out of 10. I love this show. I've made sure to stay current. I've only fallen maybe a week or so behind on the rare occasion. And the second half is proving to be just as great, if not better, than the first half. Gonna lie, I kind of missed the opening, the first opening credits for this one. But this is the Apothecary Diaries season two, uh, following the medical mystery series based on the novels by Natsu Hyuga, animated by Studio OLM and Toho Animation. And so, in the East, there is a land ruled by an emperor whose consorts and serving women live in a sprawling complex known as the Rear Palace. Mao Mao, an unassuming girl raised in the capital's pleasure district by her apothecary father, never imagined the real palace would have anything to do with her until she was kidnapped and sold into service there. And basically, Mao Mao it comes to the attention of the uh, courtesans and the officials who work there, and her skill as an apothecary has been recognized. And so it's been a series of medical mysteries with uh, clever characters, of course, the intrigue and jealousy mixed with the court politics and hidden affairs. Plus, it's an unexpected look into the potential dangers and misuse of everyday objects, even like makeup. And as a commoner, Mao Mao is in constant danger of being executed if she makes a single mistake or assumes something wrong in her diagnoses, which means that she's had to be clever and devious in various ways, in order to explain things to the people, like the officials in charge, or to prod others into the solution. So it's been a lot of fun. I've said in the past how much I enjoy a good mystery series, and particularly a good medical mystery series. And again, Mao Mao is such a little gremlin. She's so lovable, and watching her antics and how she makes people dance in the palm of her hand. Things are getting a little more serious for season two. She has entered, basically, instead of the rear palace, I believe she's going to kind of like the main complex now. And things are, people are trying to move her into higher positions. But that also means higher risk and more responsibilities. So, of course, I'm very interested in where all of this is going to go, as well as some new characters and how she will navigate this new situation. And this one show, I didn't talk about this on my fall preview series, but I actually picked it up after a couple of weeks into the season because I was talking to some folks and then I saw the opening credits. I was like, okay, well, how good could this show be? Well,
This is Shangri-La Frontier, and this is continuing into the second season now, based on the web novel series by Katarina and Fuji Ryosuke, animated by Studio C2C. So this is an anime about a high school student, uh, Hizutomi Rakuro. He is a prodigy gamer in the age of full-dive virtual reality video games. He is obsessed with finding and completing the worst games possible. But when he's introduced to the most popular, basic like AAA game on the market, Shangri-La Frontier, he decides to take a break from you know all the crap games and enjoy a properly functioning, high-quality title for once, only to discover that Shangri-La Frontier won't let him reveal its secrets so easily. This game has teeth, and for an expert gamer like Rakuro, this presents a challenge worthy of his skills. So simply put, I picked this up because this anime is just pure fun. There is no trapped in an MMO death game bullcrap stink attached to this anime. The video game world of Shangri-La Frontier is certainly epic and it is played as such, but it is just that. It is a video game world. Like the biggest issue Rakuro has had to deal with are all related to quests that he has to complete in the game as well as other players who get in his way. And it is very easy to get invested in the action on screen. Like the action is amazing. It's such a fun show to watch. But in the bigger scheme of things, Shangri-La Frontier is a refreshingly low-stakes title if you just think about it like, well, yeah, he's doing all this epic stuff in the game, but then all he has to do is take off the headset. You know, it's a video game. So it's like watching a guy who's doing a video game challenge run, like a a speed run almost, you know, or a no-hit challenge in Dark Souls. Yeah, it's certainly very exciting in the moment, and it's tense and it's action-packed and you're kind of on the edge of your seat. But, I mean, it's a video game. That's about it. That's about as high stakes as it is. And I really appreciate Shangri-La Frontier for being that. And so, finally, it's time to get into the brand new stuff. I have about four to five shows I'm interested in, along with some honorable mentions at the end. And like I said earlier, I've watched at least the first episode of each of these shows, except for the first one I'm going to talk about, but only because Crunchyroll has picked it up late. This show that I'm about to talk about premiered in Japan on January 11th, but then Crunchyroll is not premiering the show until the 18th. I didn't want to delay this episode until January 18th, so I'm going to play the opening song for the show, and then we'll move on to the rest of the shows I've actually seen the first episode of. This is Brave Bang Brave On, which is an original anime series by Cygame Pictures of all studios. You know, the animation wing of the company that does like Princess Connect Redive and Uma Musume Pretty Derby, directed by Masami Obari, which on top of having Brave in the title, this better be a super robot show. And it is a super robot show, but like the marketing for the show going into the premiere was very interesting because they basically did a bait and switch. All of the posters and promotional videos just look really bland, but then they drop the opening credits, they drop the premiere, and then we get hit with the real marketing. And so it was, the, the marketing is was an interesting move, but it's fun. You know, I it's one of those of like, ah, you got me with a big old smile on my face. 
So yeah, especially after checking out the opening and seeing what they are actually talking about now since the January 11th premiere, color me very interested in at least checking out this show. You know, I've admitted this freely in the past that I've not been known to be the biggest mecha guy, particularly with Super Robot series. So I know there is a whole Brave series with the Super Robot show. But again, this past year with the podcast has been very eye-opening, what with Gundam and getting into a few other shows. And I'm starting to appreciate the mecha genre and super robot genre a lot more than I used to. And so I want to check out uh, Brave Brave On in a way to kind of keep up, see if I can keep up with a currently airing mecha show. another one with like a really fun opening credits thing. Uh, this series is Metallic Rouge, which all you needed to tell me about this one was it's an original anime by Studio Bones, sold. Uh, but the basic setup is Metallic Rouge takes place on Mars, where you have humans and androids are coexisting, except for of course there's a group hostile to humanity, or uh, we also have androids who, I believe all the androids like have something essentially like free will, but they're kind of this secondary working class or Pretty much they're like a slave class, really. Uh, but we have our two heroes, Rouge and Naomi, are tasked with taking out the Immortal Nine, uh, the aforementioned hostile group, and everyone has like these super cool battle armor outfits. And so it's a, this is a fighting show. And I had a lot of fun with the first episode. There were a bunch of, they just throw a bunch of new terms at you. But I, I got the general idea that, okay, this group is against this group, and they their armor is called this and then we have this substance called nectar which is literally the lifeblood for androids but then it's also kind of a drug for humans like there's a black market thing for neck this thing called nectar it it's a little weird but for a fighting show i don't know there was a lot thrown at me in episode one but uh metallic rouge is being produced as a celebration for studio bones 25th anniversary so i mean for the set as setups go it's pretty simple i mean it's an excuse for the studio to flex their animation chops. This is also directed by Matanobu Matanobu Hori, and he's been more of an animator and supervisor much of his career. I think his full series directorial debut was Carol and Tuesday, only in 2019, followed by uh, Super Crooks in 2021, but I try not to hold that one against him, and I think the fight choreography was pretty good. I need probably another two, episode two, to kind of clarify a few things. But yeah, the first episode, pretty solid. I just really hope the story department holds up because Super Crooks does not inspire uh, a lot of confidence in me. But this is an original anime series, so we'll see. You know, it can go either way. And I will be along for the ride regardless. <laughs>
Okay, next up we have Delicious in Dungeon. And this is going to be a two-core series, I believe. It is adapting the manga by Ryoko Kuki, uh, animated by Studio Trigger, which immediately, to me, you know, brought to mind Kill a Kill, Premiere, Cyberpunk Edge Runners, you know, Hiroyuki and Maishi, Crazy Action Animation Fest. Uh, Delicious in Dungeon is not that kind of show, and that's also perfectly fine. And so I'm going to just read straight off from the Yen Press official summary. Uh, when young adventurer Lyles and his company are attacked and soundly thrashed by a red dragon deep in a dungeon, the party loses all of its money and provisions and a member. They are eager to go back and save her, but there's just one problem. If they set up with no food or coin to speak of, they are sure to starve along the way. But Lyles comes up with a brilliant idea. Let's just eat the monsters. Slimes, basilisks, even dragons, none are safe from the appetites of these dungeon-crawling gourmands. So yeah, I've seen the first two episodes of this show so far. A project that has a weird thing, like it's got this weird blend of humor where you can think of it like the world basically works like Dungeons and Dragons. You know, there's a party member of theirs that does get eaten by a dragon. And for people who are trying to get down to the floors, they're like, uh, we just got to get down there before our party member gets digested by the dragon and then we can just revive them. You know, they're not... They're in a hurry, but they're not that much in a hurry. I'm kind of like, okay, that's kind of a weird tone to take, but it, you know, it's it's just kind of the vibe of the show, and I'm kind of down for it. Also, the director and the staff are quite a few relatively new faces to the industry. Like both the director and the character designer started their careers uh, just a little over a decade ago, and now they are fully in charge of everything. And the general look over the deeper cast list, plus the general scuttlebutt around the show points to this being a training project of sorts for the younger animators at Studio Trigger, which perfectly fine because the anime looks amazing. So I had a really great time with the first episode. The second episode also had a clever thing of, hey, all these deadly dungeon traps, we're just going to repurpose them so we can, you know, have deep fried, uh, what was it, deep fried bat or something like that. It was it was really weird, but it's like a funny weird and the food looks delicious. And so Delicious in Dungeon is currently airing weekly on Netflix, another one of those Netflix original series that, so far, first two episodes have been very fun. Last but certainly not least, we're bringing it back to more of like a slice of life series rather than life being sliced. This is A Sign of Affection, based on the romance manga by Su Morishita, animated by Studio Asia Do, which is a name that I'm almost never here. But then I saw that they anima animated uh, Emma, a Victorian romance. That's a 2007 show. And they also animated the popular isekai series Ascendance of a Bookworm. And they also did last year's uh, historical slasher, uh, Revenger. So, of course, this series, however, is a slice-of-life romance. It involves college students, and our protagonist, Yuki, is deaf. And so, basically, a chance encounter on the train leads her to meeting a fellow student who is the globetrotting uh, multilingual, multilingual, I don't know why that was so hard to say. Uh, she meets a hot guy named Itsuomi, 
<laughs> and there's this, of course, instant mutual attraction. But even though Itsuomi can speak three languages, sign language is not one of them. And so it's him, you know, learning to communicate with her and then her, you know, teaching him about sign language. And one of my favorite manga and movies is a series called, is a movie called A Silent Voice, which also has a deaf protagonist. Although the story of that one is more about redemption and understanding. I, of course, I'm always a sucker for a good romance. And I ate rather well last year with what with uh, Yamada-kun 999, Skip and Loafer, Insomniacs After School, and My Happy Marriage. So needless to say, I've been looking forward to a sign of affection for a while, and I do think the premiere of this was done rather well. And so those are the shows that I am, at least at this early juncture, I'm going to stick with a couple more episodes, I plan to at least, and here are a few more honorable mentions. Uh, First off is the show that I kind of delayed, this is kind of the reason that I delayed recording this episode till January the 14th. And this show is Meiji Gekken 1874. This is a full series debut by the studio Sumigi Akita Anime Lab, which has been a subcontracting studio up till now. They've only been around since 2020. And their only major like credit before this one, as far as like something that they produce themselves, is a short movie produced for the 2021 Young Animators Training Program. And the title was Ryusatsu no Kyokotsu. So, I mean, good luck to them. Uh, This is directed by Jin Tamamura, who's been directing for about 10 years now. All things considered, this first episode was very busy. Uh, To talk about it a little bit, this is a historical fiction series set shortly after the Meiji Restoration, about seven years ago, that did away with the samurai warrior class in all but name, and established the new government. And so we follow a former samurai, uh, Shizuma Orikasa, who works as a rickshaw driver in Tokyo while attempting to track down the sister of a fallen comrade since the end of the final battle. And through a series of circumstances, he thwarts an assassination attempt by some anti-government folks and gets an offer to join the country's new police force. So join the guys run by the people he fought against seven years ago. So I'm always down for good action series, uh, historical drama. This was a very busy first episode, but again, I'm rooting for these guys. What I saw was pretty good animation work was solid and i didn't see any major animation hiccups or story hiccups it it was a lot at once so good luck to these guys i hope you nail it my next one is actually a film the the newest film by mari okada and animated by studio mappa this is a film mabaroshi Uh, i believe it's premiering in a few days from this episode it's also going to be a netflix deal this is a romance film being mari okada and it's set in a town where you've had this mysterious explosion that has pa- paused the flow of time in the immediate area and basically trapping its inhabitants. And so in the middle of all of this, I believe it's like a boy meets girl scenario where falling in love would cause like, quote, bad things to happen to the town. So I'm looking forward to it. It's Mario Okada. It's Studio Mappa. The trailers all look good. And so, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And lastly, uh, with this one, I'll be honest, High Dive isn't giving me much to work with this season, but they are apparently cooking with some spice, and that spice includes Chained Soldier. This is directed by Junji Nishimura and animated by Studio 7 Arc, so it's a show with, and creators with a lot of experience with shows focused on the pretty ladies. Yeah, I've checked out the show's first episode, and boy, does this have a specific audience. It'll be interesting to watch the discourse on Chained Soldier. 
I don't know if I'm ready to quite commit to something uh, with this level of spice, but I will definitely, uh, between this and the uh, Magical Girls one, ugh, I'm not touching that one with a 10 foot, with a 30 foot pole, hard pass on the Magical Girls series. And for me, that is that. So I hope y'all are excited as I am to check out the winter season. This is not so much me saying what I think is going to be the best of the season, obviously, because I tend, this is something that I always look at like, okay, this is what I'm interested in watching. This is kind of a way for y'all to see like, okay, what makes Dave tick as far as the anime that he's watching now? I'm also had to reconcile since the fall season that I'm not trying to be the next big anti-tuber like, hey, I watched all the anime in this season, so you don't have to. That's never my intent with doing these kinds of episodes. So while I do hope that the shows that I picked out will all pan out accordingly and will all be great shows, I am aware that I'm not going to force myself to just watch everything because this is anime, watching anime, this is my hobby, it's fun, making this podcast is fun. And the fall season, with everything that was premiering and just with how busy things got, it was a real wake-up call for me. So again, I really hope to enjoy the winter season and really stick with some shows and catch up on a lot of the stuff that I missed from the fall season. Like These are a lot of series that I want to catch up on. But what are some shows that you look forward to watching? Did anything on this list pique your interest? And what am I totally missing out on? You know, I know there will probably one or two series that I might pick up in the near future, but I am trying to pace myself this season and watch a reasonable amount of shows. Fall was just crazy packed, like one of the best seasons in recent memory, in my opinion. And so while I'm very excited for the winter's offerings, I am ready to slow down a bit and recharge and go into this new year refresh. So I hope you enjoyed this episode of this bonus episode of the Treehouse Anime Club. I hope to see you guys around soon in our next main topic, Spice and Wolf, on January 24th. So until then, stay safe and watch more cartoons.